Okay, apes. This is David Himmel here in Cannes, France. With some work pals. We're drinking a bunch of champagne. There's a bottle of red wine coming this way. We're eating cheese and lamb and frites. A lot of eating and drinking. Fromage, thank you. Thank you, Robbie. Um, and pizza, which was uh, invented in France, if you didn't know that. We work hard all day. We party hard all night. A band should write a song about that. All right, Don. Miss you, buddy. Love you, bye. I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Apecast. David Himmel is in France right now. He's in Cannes for his job. Um, the, the first two days, apparently, he drank a lot and uh, laid by the pool. And then the next three or four days, he's going to be locked in a ballroom for 12 hours a day. So, wow. you know. Well, when in France. When in France, do the French thing. And so uh, our guest today is uh, literate ape. Minutes of the Last Meeting writer, uh, my best friend for 37,000 years, <laughs> um, and sitting in Chicago just like David ordinarily would be, but in a different neighborhood, is Mr. Joe James. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Mr. Hall. Thank you for inviting me on your program. I am happy to be here. There you go. Back at you. I just noticed something on your uh, on your Zoom um, you have your pronouns. I do. And why do you have your pronouns on your Zoom? Do you, do you, well, uh, do you think a lot of do you think a lot of people are going to confuse you? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I just noticed it. It's the first time I noticed that. So uh, yeah. Well, it, it's courtesy, and uh, uh, I teach a lot online as well. So uh, if I have any students. Because I've had students that yeah. have pronouns that are counter to what I would assume, so it's it's sort of a uh, it's courtesy to help them feel more comfortable and also to encourage them to state whatever their pronouns are. And I also, you know, usually if it's a first class or first time meeting, and and I remember to do it because I I've forgotten before, I'll be like and and you know let me know. If I if I if I misgender you, <laughs> if if I say the wrong thing, please correct me. And I, I you know I'm working on it because it's you know hard to rewire my brain. I had a student that I, I knew for ten years as a he, who is now a she, and and you know and I've I've messed up. Yeah. Oh yeah. In front of her, saying calling calling her sir. <laughs> oh well, that yeah. I guess that would. Uh... You also got in trouble once uh, doing a Ted Knight impression to somebody that had never seen Mary Tyler Moore. So, uh, 
Yeah, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the old white guy problems here in a little while. I just noticed it. I thought I, I would mention it. Um, my first topic to discuss, you and I are, are big, both of us, big science fiction fans. Yes. And uh, I know we've been, uh, there's, there's a lot of science fiction coming out right now. And one of the things that has been interesting to me is uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney plus what are your thoughts on what we, we as this at, at this recording there have been four episodes dropped have you seen all four I have okay so what are your what are your thoughts about uh, about the whole thing well uh, my my initial going into it was definitely concern because if I remember correctly they had some creative problems when they were starting up and uh, and and I also didn't feel the need for the story. Like I, I like Ewan McGregor was probably one of the best things about the prequels, you know, his his take on Obi Wan. Like I think that was the one that most everybody like. Yeah, but that's okay. Like, yeah, that, was that, really- that part was good. The rest of it you could kind of take or leave. Yeah, yeah, no, he was he was always uh, really good. Right. So I, I went into it with a little trepidation, and then uh, but it, it I guess it's charmed me. It's like <laughs> okay, okay. I'm I'm buying it. I thought I had some problems with. Uh, I guess it was the third episode where uh, spoiler alerts. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obi Wan and Darth Vader fight. Yeah, that was a little. Uh, that 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 caused me some consternation. I did not care very much for that. I didn't. I to me, it's like wait, shouldn't this either be the season finale? Yeah. Or, uh, and it kind of count. It kind of goes against what we knew is, you know, if you're going to be about canon, I'm, 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 I have a little flexibility around canon, but yeah, I do too. Now, a lot of the fanboys do not, and that's from what I understand. There's a lot of uh, a lot of the Star Wars fanboys and girls, I guess, uh, have issues with them playing around and messing around. Like they killed the Grand Inquisitor. That was a big problem for some people. I know. I know that the the character of Riva has caused some uh, some issues, which I think are kind of interesting. Um, which one's uh, Riva? Um, she's the she's the sister, the soul sister, the the number three sister, whatever. The oh oh yeah uh, yeah third, third sister or something like third that. Third sister yeah. or whatever she's called. Yeah yeah. Right. She's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, because what's interesting about that is, you know, there was there there was the backlash because uh, a lot of the racist fanboys didn't like her because she was black. They made a big deal about that. Um, the interesting thing is, and I, I looked at it, Disney started, started uh, they anticipated that, and, and they started throwing out stuff before there was even an episode shown. You know, they, you know, and that, that was interesting. And my only issue with her, it has nothing to do with her being black. It's that she looks bored the whole time. <laughs> and I, and I, I don't know if that's her trying to like be like evil, like, oh. but she, she just looks bored. And, and it's like, even when she's like, like, like the scene in the second episode where she's like leaping across stuff, she, her face doesn't change. She just looks like she's. I, and I don't know if that's an acting choice. I mean, I've seen her in other things, and she doesn't do that, so it's got to be an acting choice. It yeah. just, you know, what it reminded me of, and I said this to David, what it reminded me of was, because uh, I think Brie Larson is a great actor, um, and I've seen her in enough things to know she's a great actor, but I thought she was terrible in Captain Marvel. My assessment is that when you are used to acting in front of people, 
when you are all of a sudden acting against green screen and pink, tennis pink balls. yeah, tennis <laughs> balls and stuff like that, that that's, that's, a, that's different. So you, it, it inhibits, yeah. if you're not used to that kind of thing. I mean, I remember, uh, Josh Brolin was talking about, uh, how ludicrous making a Marvel movie is, you know, and he was Thanos and like, like, like he's in his, he's in a, a great big green room. He's got Chris Hemsworth with a stick, like, <laughs> like literally with a stick with a tennis ball on it. And he's got a great big harness on him. That's supposed to be Thanos. Right. Right. And he has to have this big emotional moment where he says, you should have gone for the head. Well, they feel stupid because they're, it's like you're in a playground yeah. set. It makes no sense. But then when you see it later, and so just that that kind of thing is a different kind of thing. So that's that's been my criticism of her. But I agree with you. The the fight between Darth Vader and Obi Wan. I understand in this context story is Obi Wan's kind of like not got his powers, or he's really not at full strength, or whatever it happens to be. I just thought it's been it's been ten years, and I guess he just hasn't been practicing. Yeah, you know, like that's what you have to do. You got it. Yeah, it's like it's like Tai Chi. You know, it's like uh, Patrick Swayze in uh, in Roadhouse. If you don't do it every morning, <laughs> then you lose it, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, that that I agree with that. So what else? What else are, are well? Weren't weren't the Inquisitors also like like they they've got a little Jedi thing going on themselves? Some force yeah. stuff, dark force. So I think like they're sensitive to like if somebody uses it in the in their vicinity, they can pick up on it. So I think that's another yeah. reason for him to not do it. Yeah. Just to not draw attention to himself. Here's the thing that I found most jarring about All that right. episode we were talking about. James Earl Jones's voice coming out of Darth Vader. Yeah. Which sounds like a natural, right? But we're, but we're still like so close to, uh, uh, Hayden, what's his name? Chris, Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Hayden Christensen. I expected it to be more like his voice. Unless well, like James Earl Jones, like James Earl yeah. Jones would, like he'd develop into that voice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I agree. You know, I found the same thing jarring. In fact, it's the same thing I found jarring at the end of Revenge of the Sith when they finally put the thing on him and he says, Padme's dead. And then all of a sudden, out of Darth Vader comes James Earl Jones' voice. No! Like, yeah, and it's like, Okay, no. Just because he's in the suit doesn't suddenly mean. Or they need to have a scene where he puts on the helmet for the first time, and we see there's a setting for James so, Earl Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aging, aging, <laughs> iconic More black actor. Setting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because yeah, that was uh, yeah. I, it, that's the thing is David hates Obi Wan. He doesn't think it's necessary. I I think I'm with you in that. I'm charmed. I definitely had some issues with it. I, I think they, they did a step up. I think the little girl that's playing uh, Leia is She's amazing. so much better than uh, Jake, whatever his name was, playing the young Anakin. I mean, it's like they, they definitely took a step in the right direction. She's really good. Um, it does strike me as odd that, uh, what is it, uh, Organa, instead, it when his, when his, his daughter's kidnapped by Flea, um, <laughs> that that it's, that instead of instead of using his vast army at his expo, you know, like that fast, right? He, tra he travels to fucking Tatooine and grabs an old hermit. I was like, I'm not sure if this is yeah. the right call, but I guess it makes yeah. sense if you have to have him in the story. Sure, yeah. um, 
I did like the last episode. I liked the the Jedi tomb. I thought that was pretty rad. I think that they was did pretty, a really pretty creepy. That was great. Yeah, yeah, it was really well done. And I liked finally seeing uh, Obi Wan like with a lightsaber and deflecting the 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 fucking you know yeah you know that was cool. I liked him using the Force on the water on the crack and that you know. That was like okay, I this too, but is why I, I like, came. He was, he was holding it for so long. I'm like, why are you holding it for so long? That the pacing on that was really weird. Yeah, I think the pacing was bad on that. It could have been well. I think the thing about it was that was one where we saw what was going to happen before the character did, and 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 it made him look a little dumb because we knew just flood the fucking chamber and they're drown. I mean, it, <laughs> we knew that was what was going to happen, so why make us wait longer? Why wait, Why make us wait like a minute and a half when we already know what's going to happen? Mm. Just do it. I mean, come on. you know. But it was cool to see him actually do the force, and that was cool. So what do yeah. you think of, what do you think of some of the other, uh, some of the other uh, sci-fi things that have come out lately? Have you, have you uh, watched... Oh, go ahead. No, no, I, I, you're probably going the same direction. So uh, I've been watching Strange New Worlds and uh, Orville, which is really interesting to watch them at the same time because... They're the same they're, show. They're the same show. <laughs> well, the thing, I, the thing I think is fascinating about the Orville, and that's one of my uh, recommendations, what I think is fascinating about the Orville is I liked it. The first season, it was funny. And it was just sort of like, let, let's do a spoof. Yeah, let's you know, so, Somewhere yeah. in between Star Trek and Galaxy Quest, let's play that game, you know? And it's going to be funny, and we're going to have fart jokes and all that kind of stuff. And then the second season got more serious. Yeah. And now this season, at least there's only two episodes that are out, but it, it seems like they're just doing Star Trek. I mean, there's still some bits of comedy, but it's just full on. It feels just like Star Trek. Well, what I what I, I I think Strange New Worlds, I mean, it would probably exist anyway, but I, I don't think it would be the way it was without the Orville. I agree. I think the Orville is influencing Strange New Worlds mm -hmm. with like some of the characters and yeah. some of the creative decisions and some of the some of the humor. Some of the humor, yeah. I love Strange New Worlds. I think it's uh, I like all the characters. You know, so far I don't like it as much as I like Discovery. But uh, but I, I like where it's headed. I really like what's his name, Anson, the guy oh, playing yeah. Pike. Yeah, I love Mount. him, Anson Mount. A Anson Mount, yeah. Um, He's great, and, and I really like him. And I love the young Uhura, and I love the the young Spock guy. I love the that he got married. That was kind of whack. Mm -hmm. That whole episode was just a blast. Um, I would argue that I, I, I don't know, man. I think we have different takes on that episode. Oh, really? You didn't uh, swap spirits. I, I like this. I like the spirit swap. I thought that was uh, very. It felt very. That's what I, the thing. I guess I like about both the Orville and uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds is it feels like they're because like Discovery was was. Uh, it was episodic, but it was really a longer sort of uh, each each episode was a chapter in the same story. Mm. And this seems like they're going back to the earlier, like the original track where each one there is a through line, but each one is its own standalone episode with its own standalone issues that they deal with. And then they just kind of 
deal with that. I would argue the 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 episode where it was uh, what is it two episodes ago, like the big battle. You know what I'm talking about? Mm, strange new worlds. Strange new worlds. I can't remember the specifics, but it was uh, it was just it was just. It was constant battling. It was constant fighting, and all this. I just thought it was one of the oh, best. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They were being chased into some weird That's, thing. And yeah, I thought that was one of the best Star That's Trek it. episodes. Like one of the best Star Trek episodes of any uh, iteration of Star Trek. I just thought it was smart and it was fun. It was action packed. You know, I mean, it's another one of those things. Like I love, I love the. Did you notice in the episode the 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 body swap or the soul swap the episode when he's fighting himself? Yeah. Did you notice the music? Oh, yeah. I laughed, and I thought that was the best, and it felt very horrible to me. You know, but, like, but here's, here's the thing about that episode. <laughs> I feel like somebody, somebody exactly said, well, now we got to do an episode that's funny. we got to do our humor oh, okay. episode. Like, the trouble with triples. Yeah. Thing. And I think, like, in the hands of the whoever was directing it, or maybe like some of the actors weren't, they, they just weren't hitting the right tone. I'll, I'll buy that. It could have been freaky Friday. Yeah. Took until halfway through, like, <laughs> oh, I think they're going for being funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, well, you know, the thing about it is this Spock hasn't got the uh, the eyebrow raise yet. I mean, he, it, 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 you know what I mean? And that's part of Nimoy, you know, that was Nimoy's way of, of making Spock funny was he didn't have to break out of the logical thing. He just had to look at something someone said or hear something and raise that fucking eyebrow. And and that was funny. <laughs> By itself, that was like, okay, now I get the humor. So it was real subtle, but it worked. It worked. Yeah. Um, have you seen... Was, uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to go touch back uh, on the Orville because I just watched the second episode today. Uh, I watched it uh, last night, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like that they... I thought I thought the first the pilot was too long. I think they could have yeah. trimmed that a little bit. But but what I like about the Orville, uh, in general and so far, is that they they paint themselves into corners, story wise, plot wise, and don't take easy ways out. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. They really fight for it. I appreciate. It. There's no tidy wrap up. There's not. Yeah. Very, seldom a happy ending. Or yeah. It's like a somewhat happy ending. Uh, although I, I'm I'm curious, like if you know anything about this, because Bordas was barely in the first episode. Yeah, I know. Went a little bit, but he's he was such an important character in one and two. And like, what's happening with Bordas? Yeah, he's kind of been marginalized in his own way, and and that's interesting. Yeah, well, I think it's because well, that's it's like they just introduced the uh, what's her name, Carly. The, yeah, the you know. The yeah, the yeah, yeah. They're they're. I think what they did was I think they've now got. They've got so many characters. They're trying. They're really doubling down on the Doctor. Yeah. Like they're really taking a lot. I mean, because the, the whole first episode of this season was basically she was center of it, you know, right. basically, and then she was basically center of this one. So I'm interested to see why. Because I don't think. I mean, I think she's fine. I, I I like the character, but I don't think she's the, by any means the most interesting character they have on there. Right. And for my money, more Adrian Palicki is always better because right. I think she's like, well, I also think she's the, like one of the five hottest women living. <laughs> she's also very funny. 
And she and well, and actually, she's funny, and she works really, really well with uh, with uh, McFarlane. I mean, I think they, I think they're really charming together, and that you know, I miss some of that. It's like they did, they did the Bordis thing where he had the kid, yeah. and that whole thing. They kind of, they kind of doubled down on that. So he had some time. It's just he's not getting equal time right now. Right, right now, That's it's all like maybe they're like, well, we did a lot of with Bordis the last two seasons. Yeah. Let's so let's let's give it a rest. Have you seen uh, uh, the new Miss Marvel? I I watched the first episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, what did you think? Uh, uh, a little mix. I liked it a lot. I thought some of the again, sort of like going back to that strange new worlds thing, trying to be humorous. I thought they were hitting, trying a little too hard to be charming. Yeah, uh, I felt cases. like I felt like it was the MCU's answer to Hannah Man- Montana. Um, it definitely is geared towards a younger audience. Yeah, it, it it didn't play for me. Uh, I didn't even finish, and I should. Uh, I didn't even finish the episode because I, I, I at a certain point, you know. And, and the thing is, that I don't have an issue with any of it. It's just sort of like I think the most young I can go before I start going, ah, what the fuck, and we're talking about giant cartoons anyway, was the Spider-Man homecoming. Uh, yeah. You know, but, uh, this, the thing about it is she's, I mean, she's supposed to be 16. She's 16 in this story, but she behaves like she's 11. Yeah. I, you know I what agree. I mean? I don't think they, I don't think they nailed, uh, exactly. And she seems different than, uh, in the Dr. Strange movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, she's not in the Doctor Strange movie. I thought that was Ms. Marvel in it. No, that's, that's the same a, actress. No, that's not the same actress. And uh, no, that was that's America Chavez. America Chavez is a totally different character. Holy cow! I thought it was supposed to be the same character. Nope, it's not the same character. In fact, in fact, you with your with your pronouns uh, didn't even get the right nationality. I'm t- because Miss Marvel's Miss Marvel's Pakistani and America Chavez is Mexican, so right, uh, right, yeah, totally no, different. I, like, I totally thought they were supposed to be the same character. No, I no, no, you totally fucked that up. Yeah, no, yeah, not the same character. Yeah, but that 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 was one of the things that uh, I, I'm sure I will go back and watch the you know the rest of the first episode. I just I kind of had a feeling it was going to be sort of like. Uh, Sort of the because a lot of the Disney stuff that Mouseketeer shit, they do a lot of that stuff where there's a lot of like youth oriented. Look at these crazy stories. It's all like Saved by the Bell versions of Hannah Montana. And so I saw this coming, and I like the Miss Marvel character. I like the the comic book is actually quite good. I just felt like, and hopefully it will grow into it. She just she acts like she's she's much. I mean, I think the actress is nineteen. She acts like she's like a, a tween and not a 16-year-old. A 16-year-old has yeah. a whole different sort of – it's a different kind of moodiness than this This presents. Where, so. where, where, did, where did you bail out on the story? Oh, God. Probably 15 minutes in. I mean, oh, I kind of okay. – yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of – what really kind of – and it just was like, all right, I get it. I, I mean, I'm not going to criticize it for that. It, it's not made – I don't think this was a show that's made for – a 56-year-old white guy that read the Avengers when he was a kid. I mean, that's not what it's made for. And so, yeah, the 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 whole, uh, like, Scott Pilgrim versus, you know, the, that, that kind of, like, let's have a lot of, all these yeah. 
cartoony, uh, like penciled in Crayola pop-ups that just didn't work for me. And uh, that doesn't mean it won't work for me later. It's just at that moment, it was just like, ah, oh, this is not, this is not my, this is not my thing. I, I, I get it. I'm fine with it. It, you know, and I don't, I'm not going to criticize it. That's the thing is I didn't want to be critical of it because I'm not going to watch the whole thing. I've got to give myself some space and kind of get into a mindset that, okay, this, because now it makes me worried about She-Hulk and I'm looking forward to She-Hulk, but, you know, you know what well, I mean? Well, I, I would say, like, I had a similar reaction to the first 15 minutes. I just thought it was like that they were trying too hard is what I felt. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, did you see the, gosh, is it Pixar or, or, or is it a Disney animation? The one uh, Red from last oh, summer? I haven't seen Red. I, it's on my list to see. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I have I haven't gotten around to uh, watching a Pixar movie about menstruation, and uh, I <laughs> know it's a good movie. List. I know it's a good movie. I know everybody that's seen it. You even recommended it. I yeah. just haven't. I just it's like okay, there's nothing well, about menstruation that makes me want to watch a cartoon about it. <laughs> so it's a, similar, it's a similar aesthetic, but done more successfully. Okay. All right. As All far right. as like the comic book pop up weird things kind of yeah. happening, like yeah. Uh, and, but you're right. But she's also a tween in it. Yeah, so it, fits, it seems to it, fit more for her. It fits. It fits in that way. Yeah. So uh, so what other things have you been watching, uh, science fiction wise or Marvel or whatever that is like sticking it sticking out of your mind that, that you're like, wow, that was really cool. Uh, I've been slowly going through Stargate, the TV. Oh show. wow! Oh my God, the original one. Yeah, because like occasionally I would run into it on television, you know, decades ago, and that was yeah. you know a thing where you'd go through channels. Um, but I never like watched it from the beginning to through the whole series, which I always heard good things about. It's really good, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not that far in. I'm only like four or five episodes in, but but I I do like it. I think oh yeah, yeah, uh, I like it for its time. It's really well done. Yeah, well, there's a there's one on Apple TV right now with Elizabeth Moss called Shiny Girls, and uh, it's fucking good, man. It's really creepy. I haven't quite figured out what exactly is going on, but the setup is that she works at the Sun Times as a fact checker. She was almost killed and and dismembered by this guy. Um, and since that time, and she survived, but since that time, she shit, her reality shifts. Like you see her in, and I don't like, I said, I just explaining it. There's no way I can give too much away. It's like, <laughs> cause it's fucking strange is that it turns out that this guy who did this to her has been murdering women, right? Just stalking and murdering young women. And she goes to this reporter and says, I'm the first one, you know, and, and then like you see, she's got her desk and she's got her shit and she's writing down, like in the first episode, she's writing down all the things like my mug is here and this is the kind of mug it is on. And then she leaves and then she comes back and it's not her desk anymore. And her desk is someplace else. And then she, then she meets, you know, you, you get introduced to this character who's Marcus, who's this really, really good looking young black guy who works with her. And he's obviously barely knows her. 
And then at the end of the episode, she comes home and apparently now they're married. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is, it is, it is, it, her reality keeps shifting and we don't wow. know why it's shifting, but I'm getting the feeling that the bad guy, because he's stalking everything, he's creepy as shit. I think he's shifting too, but I don't know yet. But in terms of sort of like weird sort of sci-fi horror, I can't recommend it enough because it is, I'm just rich. I'm slow. It's one of those where all the episodes are there, but I just want to go one at a time so I can really absorb it and think about it. Cause it is, it is. Yeah, and I, I haven't, uh, I haven't <clears throat> this sounds really interesting. It sounds like something yeah. I would, I would enjoy. I don't know how Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss has time to do anything. Cause she's in everything. She's in everything. She's, but she's so good. She's good. God, she's good. Uh, I, uh, I have not ripped off the bandaid to, I don't, I don't, that's probably not the right phrase to use. I'm, <laughs> I haven't started watching Apple TV because I just, oh. it's one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, I have so many streaming services. I don't want to do one more and I already did one more to, to watch Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, that's the thing is that I'm right now, what I'm looking at is I'm doing the same thing where it's like, all right, I have too many fucking streaming services. And I think, I mean, that's the thing. And, and they each get you their own way. It's like, I, I would totally get rid of Netflix. I hardly ever watch anything on Netflix except for Stranger Things Stranger and, the Things. and the Umbrella Academy. And, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing's like, ah, because I know Umbrella Academy's coming out. And I'm not going to get to see it otherwise, so might as well keep it. I, you know, I'd get rid of Disney except all, all the cool Marvel and Star Wars shit. Ah, you know, right. so yeah. Hulu has come out with some really good stuff lately, and uh, you know it's like God damn it. And the Orville is on Hulu. It's like all right, yeah. On there. Uh, I've been watching. This isn't sci-fi, but uh, speaking of Hulu and uh, I have HBO Max through Hulu. Yeah, I've got HBO Max um, through AT and T. So yeah, we own this city. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I thought you'd like brilliant. it. Brilliant. Oh my God, it's so good. Yeah, that was that was spectacular. All right. I want to switch gears real quick. All right. January, January 6th commission prime time. Too uh, little too late. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> shit. Too little too late or exactly what the Dems need right now. What are you what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think in the, it's it's opening up alternative realities for people. <laughs> uh we don't know if Liz Cheney is Darth Vader or Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's also true. We don't. We haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. Um, I, well, you know, I I don't think it's too little too late. I think um, I think timing-wise, it's probably smart because the midterms are coming up, if you're looking at it from a strategic point of view. Um, but I think uh, I think just, just packaging... Uh, what they've discovered and getting it out clearly is the most important thing. And I think they did that very succinctly the other night. Yeah. Um, We've so got five, five more of them. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't, I don't think it's a too little, too late. I, I mean, I would, I'm all, I'm impatient. I'm like, come on, let's get people behind bars quickly. Well, see, and the thing about it is this is the thing that I told my mom, uh, she, she, cause you know, of course we're all riveted to it. And her first reaction was 20 million people watched it. And like, that's a big deal. And I said, not in a nation of 300 million people. That 20 million is not, I mean, Joe Rogan gets more than that in, in his first hour. But 
All I can say is I thought it was well done. I think they're making solid points. They didn't tell me anything I didn't really know before. Um, but if at the end of this, there's not some actual convictions and not just fucking proud boys and oath keepers, but like Mark Meadows and fi- like some serious fucking yeah. prison time for some folks. Politicians. If if, yeah, if Merrick Garland doesn't step the fuck up and actually prosecute against some of these motherfuckers, then it was then it was just a show. It was just a yeah. big fucking campaign. And that will that will bother me because that that's the same thing that happened with the 2008 bailout. All these fucking criminals. Nobody went to prison. Um, going all the way back to the, the, the Iraq war and, and all the people that, that made that. Nobody went to fucking prison. It's like, okay, at some point, if you're going to make this big fucking show and you're going to get up there and you're going to sit there and, and Liz Cheney's going to fucking come out punching and you're going to show us this very well produced, but we've already seen all this stuff, and you're going to have some great testimony. If you don't have convictions at the end of this, fuck you. Yeah. That's yeah, my I reaction. Totally agree with yeah. That. yeah. Totally agree with that. Uh, but I also think like uh, 20 million that actually watched it live that we know of is good. Yeah. But it, it didn't include, I don't think, YouTube, uh, all the channels that were streaming it on YouTube. That's fair. Yeah, I watch. I actually watch it at New York Times. So yeah, I watched it streaming um, through that. I watched it on YouTube, and yeah. then uh, it also I, doesn't take into account the the after effect because I think a lot of a lot of news got produced from it, and like so, I was talking to a friend uh, Friday. He's like, "Well, yeah, the next one's 10 a.m. on Monday. I can't watch that after work." I'm like, "Yeah, me too." And uh, but I'll tell you, the good thing about it being at 10 a.m. on Monday is that people are going to talk about it the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I'll, and that's the thing is because I'm freelance. Uh, I will. I will watch it. I will watch it live. That's actually seven o'clock in the morning for me, mm. but I'm still gonna watch it and uh, and and then yeah, follow it because now that I'm sort of on 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 another side <laughs> of the divorced white male syndrome, I'm now suddenly interested in the world. Uh, again, there for about two months, I didn't give a fuck what was going on in the world because I was just trying to maintain sanity. But now, yeah, I'm, I'm back. I'm back into that. So, yeah, I'll definitely watch that. And uh, and, and that's cool. And uh, and then that segue. Tell me about what it, what it's like being an old white guy. <laughs> We're a couple of old white guys. I realized I realized I was I was thinking about this this morning. It's like my mom told me. And I'm curious what your reaction is. My mom told me that she thought my 50s would be my best decade. And so far, my 50s have sucked. You know, I got I got I got booted from the job that I'd worked at for 10 years at public radio. I picked a fight with somebody online that I lost. Um I, I I got married, moved here, and that blew up in my fucking face. My nephew died from a fentanyl overdose. I mean, so far my fifties have just, and and I'm and I'm at the place now at fifty six years old. I'm starting over again. Right. And, and yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting you say it that way because I, I definitely feel that way. Like I'm starting over again. Yeah, uh, and I'm. I'm not in my mid fifties. No, you're sixty-seven years old. Yeah, you no. got it. Going on eighty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say, like for me, 
uh, I would say the the first five years of my fifties were great. Yeah, I think I had a great time. Um, made a lot of new friends, uh, socialized a lot, and was doing a lot of like stuff that I really enjoyed. Uh, then uh, then around fifty five. Uh, started like having health, some health problems. Yeah. Nothing chronic, nothing terminal, but just all of a sudden it's like, oh wait. So like for me, like the warranty started going out of my body, and uh, and you know, healthcare system in America sucks. Yep, sucks. And uh, if you know, there's just no real good system unless you have a lot of money. Yeah, unless you got shitloads of cash to begin with, then you you, you just. Take a fucking Tylenol and hope it gets better. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, like, really the issues that I, that I have is, like, I'm trying, you know, you know, I've been trying to find a full-time job uh, just for, like, for the steady payment. Uh, I would like to just kind of focus all my creative energies in one place uh, and hopefully go to a place that covers insurance because we still need that. Yeah, need to do yeah. That. Uh, and it's hard to find. Because most people want part-timers because they don't have to pay insurance That's or they right. want freelance for the same reason. They don't have to do any perks for anything. Yeah. So, so like many people, like I did not, I did not expect to be at my age to have three part-time jobs. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing is right now I'm uh, my big, and you and I've talked about this offline, but my big debate right now is do I want to stay in Vegas yeah. Um, cause part of that is, and that's, you know, on some days I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely staying in Vegas. And then other days I look around and the arts community is really tiny and very insular and, and, you know, they circle the wagons. And so there's not a lot of room unless I just start another pancake stand. There's not a lot of room for me to, you know, to, to, to do much here in that regard. Um, I do not, after having worked in the casino industry for, a year and a half, I have zero interest in working for the hospitality or casino industry in this town. Yeah, um, and most, most of what this which, town is, which is what this town is all about. And, and, and I'm also given my specific circumstances, finding the bizarre permissiveness of uh, vice in this city to be less appealing um, I just I just read that uh, that Vegas is in the top five cities for massive infidelity, and 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 when I read it on, it, it was like they were crow, like they were proud of it, and it's like wow. yeah, that's not my experience. I mean, that's definitely my experience, but the proud part, not not so much. And right. so I'm looking around, going, I don't know. I'm doing uh, yeah. It just it feels like starting over. I mean, I didn't think at 56 that I would be kind of just going, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? And you, you're, I mean, you've got three, what, what are your three part-time jobs? You're teaching at Second City, teaching at Columbia and the online sightseeing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's frustrating. So, mm -hmm. so how, how, how are you keeping your head up above all this stuff? Cause sometimes some days I'm just fine. And then other days I'm just like, what the fuck? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it is. Um, I would say for me, like uh, the, the shoreline job is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, out of the three, it's the one that pays the least hourly, yeah. but yeah. gives me the most hours. <laughs> sure. Uh, and uh, in that job, there's a lot of, you know, standing around. Like yeah. uh, I'm, I'm doing a shift tomorrow that's uh, uh, 
people don't know, Shoreline Sightseeing does an architecture tour that's pretty famous. It's like one of the top rated attractions by TripAdvisor. I've been uh, on that, yeah. It's a really great company to work for. They're really, really fun, fun people. But I'm doing a, working at one of the water taxis tomorrow, which is near Union Station and Willis Tower. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's basically, I get to stand and meditate for about seven hours. Oh, God. It's going to be a Monday. It's not going to be too busy. And there's just not not a lot to do. And I and you know I can't bring my laptop. Yeah. I can't bring yeah. my iPad. So uh, forget where I'm going with it. So for actually, it is a lot of standing and meditation for me. I do get to think a lot. And if I notice myself kind of get into that life sucks, dark spiral tunnel thing, uh, I have a mantra. Oh, what's your mantra? Um, I just repeat three words: compassion, honesty, and humor. Like those are the three things that I want to use as like you know, guiding navigational tools for interacting with people. It's mostly about how I engage with people. Yeah. But also, yeah. How I, also how I want to engage with life. Yeah. Uh, with honesty and humor. Yeah, so, it's interesting. It's interesting because you you are you are actually getting out and 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 engaging with people. Um, after my after my year and a half in the casino, uh, I have not had a great deal of motivation to be around people because that was sure. that was all the people I ne ever needed in the rest of my life. And then lately, um, given my specific circumstances, I basically just hole up in my apartment. But most of the work I'm doing, in fact, all the work I'm doing is like right now I'm I'm editing and formatting a book that a guy hired me to do. He's a he's an ER doctor. He was an ER doctor in Baghdad, so he wrote about that experience. So I'm doing that. I'm ghostwriting a book by a kid from Chicago who did a lot of drugs in his youth and then got MS and then couldn't walk anymore and then was caught in a house fire and oh is and is and is trying, you know, and he's he's trying to, you know, he, his book is all about his resilience and about thanking the Lord. That kind of thing. So I'm I'm, I'm ghostwriting that book. I did some. Uh, I've been doing some copywriting, and then I'm constantly looking for freelance uh, copywriting gigs. Uh, one of the things that's been most interesting is because that's my choice. It's like if I stay in Vegas, I would I would most likely like to have something like you're saying, like something with insurance, something a little more solid. But every gig, I mean, a, a, a perfect example was I interviewed for this. Uh, and it was a massive, it wasn't just copywriting. I mean, it was web editing. It was white papers. It was product descriptions. It was a lot of work for this fireworks company. Hmm. And I thought that would be fun. But the guy was like, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sitting at the interview and he, and he said, so uh, you have any questions for us? I said, yeah. I said, it looks like th that you're counting on this being an, an in-office nine-to-five gig. He said, yeah. I said, okay. And he said, and he said That's a, is that a problem? I said, well, I really like remote work. Um, and I and, and I guess my concern would be if you're going to require me to come into the office, you'd have to pay me to forget how much I love remote work. I said, so what? what's the compensation package? And he said, well, what do you want? I said, are you going to throw that softball my way? I said, uh, I said okay, um, $80,000 if you want me to come in every day and if you if you have me come in two days a week and work remotely the other three days i'll go down to fifty thousand dollars and they they you know they, they're wow okay and then it turned out 
and that, again, that's what I thought was so funny was I did talk to them because I hadn't heard anything. So I called and they ended up hiring a, a 23 year old woman um, for for twenty six thousand dollars a year. Oh, because that, oh my that, God. Because that's what they were. That's what they that's what they always had in mind was some, somewhere between twenty four and twenty seven. And yeah, but uh, you, 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 that's what they have in mind for the salary. Yeah. So when he asked me, of course, I completely, I mean, I, I doubled, I, you know, I quadrupled it and there was no way they were, but instead of just looking at me in the face and saying, we're offering this much, this is how much we want to pay you. Then I wouldn't have wasted their time. I would have said, okay, that's not enough for me. Not that's full not time. for anybody. I know. And, uh, and so it was like, all right, you know what? Again, I can't, I can't get upset about it, but it is very funny that in this particular, especially cause you write. Um, in this creative space, man, nobody, I mean, that's why events didn't work out for me here because nobody wants, everybody just wants somebody that, uh, that'll take 25 grand a year to work full time. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's like, all right, I get it, but I I can't do that. Happy to be here. Yeah. Right. You know? And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's the old white guy problems, you know? And I, and the thing about it is it, it, uh, I think about you know, it like uh, I think about the whole concept of getting older in this country, um, and I think it's uh, I think it's you know I, I guess I don't feel that bad about it. I mean, it's like I understand you got to make way for the youth. That's how that's how they got to get jobs. It's good. It's something. What was it? Bill Burr said once? He said uh, he said it's a good thing for people to die because you got to make room. You got you know youth. The future is, <laughs> is for the young. And so, you know, it's like, okay, now I'm, I mean, I'm starting, and I know you recognize this, I'm starting to notice that uh, that people that are dying on a pretty regular basis that make the news are increasingly my age or younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's a little dis- that's a little discomfortable. You know, it's a little discomforting. It's like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. So, so, so this, this, this famous person that had more – far more money and far more access to healthcare and all that's going to have died at 52 years old. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, yeah, you, you just can't compare <laughs> yourself to other people and you don't, and you never know when, yeah. when the, uh, when the piano is going to fall out the window and land on your head. That's true. Um, I, to me, like the issues I find, I mean, like that's specifically old and white. Uh, and it's again. I don't. I have no evidence. It's just what I wonder about because I've I've applied for a lot of jobs, and um, you know, on the job applications and everything, they they don't ask you. Yeah. Um, no. There is a thing where you they do want to know what your ethnicity is, but apparently that's not considered when they're looking at nah, applications. I'm but I wonder. Sure that's some bullshit. That's bullshit. But but yeah, all the, all. The, all it takes is somebody to Google my name. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, they'll, they'll find know. Find me on they're... Twitter. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Instagram. Yeah. So I yeah. just wonder, like, how much is how much is my age and my race, um, and and maybe even my political views, because I'm certainly not shy about what I think about politics. If yeah. any of that is like, you know, taboo or like, you know, puts puts the whammy on me as far as uh, being hireable to some companies. Yeah, it's an interesting. Well, it's very funny that you mentioned the the politics because I have I I literally have been told 
um, by places in the last year um, in terms of hiring me or not, or specifically not hiring me. Um, I've been told uh, in veiled language by two companies that I was too liberal, too left. They didn't say it that way, but that was what they intimated. And by three companies that I was not left enough. <laughs> I know well, you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've had, I've had, I've had companies on either side basically saying, you know, you, yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not as, you're not extreme enough for us on the wrong end. I'm like, that's crazy. But okay, I mean, I, I mean, I can't argue with it. It's like, all right, that's fine. You know, I, I suppose I don't want to work for, uh, you know, a Rush Limbaugh, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so, yeah, so that's it, it's been very interesting to have that come up. You know, I can't I can't be heard by because they're, you know, I'm going to say I've lived a pretty decent life. I, you know, COVID, I, I was hardly affected by COVID. I mean, <laughs> I, I still haven't gotten it. Um, I don't anticipate that I will. Um, Never know. <laughs> well, hey, middle of this August, David Himmel. If I haven't caught, if I have not gotten COVID uh, in middle of August, he owes me a hundred bucks because right. I bet him. I bet him a year ago that I wouldn't get it in the next year, and so far, uh, I have not. So that's the, been interesting. This strain is super contagious, and I know so many people now. Yeah, yeah, have it, had it. Yeah, I'm gonna say so far. All right, you know, I'm not wishing it on you. Don't no, don't get the wrong idea. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, the, the, the chances that I'm not going to get it are pretty slim. It'd be amazing if I didn't. But so far, uh, that's been my experience. And I spent the first like the heavy wave, the first fucking six months of the goddamn thing in a casino Mm-mm. with a with a cloth mask. And when we thought you had to clean the surfaces of the machines, because that's what stopped it. I mean, you know, so and people arguing constantly about not wearing masks. First thing is a watch. Um, Just because it's not science fiction, um, but I, I, I watched it on Netflix. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The Lincoln Lawyer. Um. It is, it's the adaptation, because the movie was made with McConaughey, um, adaptation of uh, these books. This is a a, a, a serialized version. It was like, I think it's like 13 episodes, 10 episodes, something like that. But uh, it's excellent. It's, it's a really, it's, you know, I love a courtroom drama um, probably more than most. And this is a very, very good, uh, very good. I, I was thrilled with it. So I highly recommend on Netflix. The Lincoln Lawyer. Excellent, excellent. Uh, are we going in order of watches and stuff, or does just, it matter? Just doesn't matter. Well, I'm going to recommend a book that was recommended to me a few weeks ago, and I've just thoroughly been enjoying it. Uh, it's called The Laugh Crafters. Oh wow! Comedy writing in radio and TV's golden age. So. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, I found it on Amazon. You can find it online. It's a, it's a little bit of an obscure book, um, but it's this guy that interviews interviewed all these people that were that wrote for radio and then moved into the early days of television. So if there are any names you recognize, it would be like Sherwood Schwartz. Yeah, yeah. Radio and then created Brady Bunch and um, uh, Gilligan's Island. It's his big claim to fame. There you go. Uh, I was going to say that's how I recognize the name, yeah. 
Yeah, Larry Galbart, who wrote for radio and then wrote for Sid Caesar and then wrote helped co-created MASH. Yeah, is yeah. You know Larry Galbart. But there's also a lot of names in here you don't know that I didn't know uh, who ended up like creating, you know, writing for like I Love Lucy. And, you know, they wrote for Bob Hope and they wrote for Jack Benny and George Burns. Uh, and it's just really fascinating to kind of get their, all their perspective of it, cause especially in, in the golden age of radio. Um, writers were paid like 50 bucks a week. Yeah. Which, yeah. Hey, I'd love that. But uh, <laughs> I wouldn't turn that down today. Nope. But, uh, you know, they never got any credit and it all depends. And it was very uh, comedian oriented. So if you worked for a comedian who didn't like writers or resented having writers, it was pretty miserable experience. But also, like, there are some comedians who loved writers and cherished them and treated them well, like Jack Benny. Yeah, um, yeah. George Burns, people like that. So cool. anyway, I think it's really fascinating to read and find out some stuff about some, some beloved comedians I didn't know. There you go. All right. My second thing is a read. Um, I found this to be very interesting. It, it put me down in a rabbit hole. It's in the Atlantic. It's an article. Is this the end of the George Floyd moment? And it, it is, it is, uh, it is, it, 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 it inspired me to read a number of things, basically examining how the summer of 2020 has not resulted in the changes that were initially required or said to be needed. I mean, we've pretty much gotten rid of the defund the police idea entirely. Um, there has not been a, a massive uh, change in incarceration rates. Um, San, you know, San Francisco, the very, very left-leaning cities are getting rid of their progressive uh, DAs and governors and uh, Eric Adams is sort of like the new model of this is what the Democrats want. They want the law and order Democrats, which is, and so it's really kind of examining what happened and why, um, whether or not these, these changes are going to happen or what it will take to happen, or if we, we just squandered the moment. And it's a really interesting article, and it made me read a whole bunch of articles about it. So, all right, very good. <clears throat> uh, my my next one's a watch. Um, so I watched this movie. So I, I I don't know if you need this context or not, but uh, the AV Club had the best horror films on Hulu. Okay, it was a slideshow, and I went I went looking through it. Um, there's two movies I'll mention. One was Twelve Hour Shift which is with Ann Bates, who like was one of my favorite horror films from like a decade or so ago, maybe even 15 years ago, called May. Oh, yeah, played, I remember like, May. Yeah, yeah, really great movie. Well, she's grown up. She's a bitter old nurse at a hospital. <laughs> um, but it's not a horror film. It's more of a crime film. It's all about this black market organ thing and uh, her one 12-hour shift where she's dealing with just a whole bunch of bullshit with the 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 crime organization the person that's supposed to pick up the organs and it's 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 actually very funny um and has some really great moments in it she's great in it uh david arquette is wedged in it in this wrong role that does has no payoff and i think there's an arquette that also produced it so i think they oh. just kind of wedged it in there yeah but other than that it's a, it's a fun little movie um the other one is called uh shadow in the cloud have you heard of this 
I have heard of this. I have not seen it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah it's Chloe Grace Mortez. I, I'm going to mess up her. I've never said her name out loud, but it's. Yeah. <laughs> she played Hit Girl in Kick Ass. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's a the movie's a couple years old. Huh? Moretz. 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 Yeah. Um, this movie's very interesting because it takes place in World War II. And she's a woman who's assigned to this airplane. Um, at the very last minute, just before it takes off, and she has a special package that nobody's allowed to open, and these guys are all super sexist, and they just, you know, harass the crap out of her. They end up, like, putting her in the, uh, the what, do they, what do you call that turret? The ball thing with the gun? Oh, yeah, at the bottom yeah. Of the they end up shutting her in there, and um, a good, good chunk of the first half of the movie takes place with her in that closed space. Wow. Um, and it's really interesting. And it is a horror film. But it's also preposterous. There's things that happen. You're like, this is so stupid. But I'm loving it. <laughs> All right. All right. Then I, then I have it will go on my list of movies to watch. I love it. My third thing, and I already mentioned it. We already talked about it. But for those that listen, um, if you are a Star Trek fan at all, you have to watch The Orville. Um, and I mean all the first two seasons and then this third season, I, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I just love it. I, I've just enjoyed, I've just enjoyed watching it progress. And again, nothing makes me laugh harder than it just feels sort of like Seth MacFarlane said, nobody's going to let me be on Star Trek. So I'm just going to make Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, do my own Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which I, I, I have nothing but respect for i love that i love that totally agree totally agree um i guess my third thing would be a listen it's not it's not really a new thing but there's a band called uh, i don't know how they found me which uh, is a really great band definitely check them out their last album it came out like a year or two ago is called razzmatazz a uh, lot of great tunes it's like just it's just two guys and the, their songs are catchy they're well structured they're smart lyrics. They're funny. Uh, and uh, I just love them. I, I, I listen to them all the time. Far out. All right. And that, my friend, is the show. I thank you, Mr. James, for your wisdom and, uh, and the fun. Any, oh, last parting, any last parting words? Go outside. Oh, oh yeah. Get a dog. Get a oh, dog, I, Don Hall. Don Hall needs a dog, everybody. If I stay in Vegas and uh, I stay for a year, I will get a dog. If I do not stay in Vegas, wherever I find myself landing and staying, uh, once I've signed a lease somewhere, I will get a dog. Because I'm not going to get right. a dog if I'm just going to drive around the country and couch surf. Because then dogs it's not. Dogs travel well. Dogs travel well. Yeah, I, mean, I know. But so if I call you up and say, hey, I'm coming to Chicago and I need to crash on your couch. I'm bringing a fucking pit bull with your cats. Is that all right? You're going to say, fuck off. I'd, I'd love it. You know, we'd figure out something with the cats. I'd keep it. <laughs> I love dogs. Yeah, I do too. So, uh, yeah. And I haven't been able to get one for seven and a half years. So it's time to, uh, to step up to that. All right. That is the show. And thank you, sir. You can listen to the Literate Ape cast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or any place you find your podcast, Jones. If you enjoy listening to Two White Guys Holding Court, review or share the show on your own platforms, or throw us a few bucks on Patreon. For more information about Literate Ape, go to literateape.com and check out the rest of our podcasts, all of our writing, and our events. 
Music on the Apecast is courtesy of Mike Vinopal and Local Motive. You can find them all over Chicago and online at locomotiveband.com.